Hello, and welcome to You Can't Go Back. I'm Silas Weathercock, and I'm joined by Mrs. Elizabeth Jorgensen. Please join us. Okay, so I want to start off by asking the question, what is funny? Like, the, it's kind of a difficult question, if you think. It, it, it's something, like, just what, when you think of, what makes something funny? Oh. I have... Okay, wait, hold on. Let me send you through my thought process. Okay, so when you said, what is funny... The vision that comes in my mind is laying on the floor as a child and we were at our cousin's house and the TV was on and it was on mute because I think it was too late. We weren't supposed to have the TV on and you were taking turns with our cousin talking over the like pretending to talk for the show yeah like like, totally ridiculous yeah and i just remember like the biggest like belly laughs coming from all of us like that's like the time that i remember like laughing the most and so that's what comes to mind when i think of like funny or like laughter and so i don't know what made it funny i guess that it was more of a feeling yeah, I I was thinking about, like, what defines funny. Like, it, as far as the human experience, what makes something funny. I There was a quote, I think it's from George Orwell. He wrote a little article about humor. And he said, well, what makes something funny? And he said, anything that disrupts the social order. And I thought that was perfect. When I read that, I was like, yes, that's exactly it. Something that reveals the absurdity of life. You know what I mean? Something that every day in our life, we have this straight and narrow path that we're expected to follow. And something comes in and just messes that all up. And it shows you how absurd the whole process is. To me, that's what's funny. Is when I really laugh at something. And sometimes the things that I laugh at are absolutely ridiculous. You know, it it could be the most absurd things. You know, Right. So I'm thinking like a lot of the times that I like find something really hilarious it's not even necessarily meant to be funny okay so you have a friend eric and he just he's a pretty serious guy but for some reason his reactions to things like like just like i find absolutely hilarious like i'll just laugh and laugh and laugh like yeah but again i think it comes back to what i was saying in the sense that he will highlight in his own way the absurdity of what we're witnessing. So we'll see something and he would just be like, you know, kind of remember like when Papa, when that guy was jogging and he was sweating and his face looked like he was putting such great (laughs) effort into it, but he was literally moving at a pace that would be slower than most people's normal walk. But he looked like, and he he just looks at him and just with completely serious tone, he says, oh, that guy's winning the race. Yeah. And it's sarcastic but like it's high like even the sarcasm it's highlighting the absurdity of something and to me that's what makes something funny is it's it's a reminder these little moments or these could be a joke or something that where you you, you, 
something just clicks in your mind like, oh my God, look, dude, look how ridiculous this and is. And you know what? And that also reminds me is like, you know how sometimes thing, everything can be going so fucking wrong. Like, you know, I'm just making up a day, but like you wake up and you spill coffee on your white shirt and then you go to get in your car and you're driving and you get a flat tire and like thing after thing goes wrong. And like sometimes people just like will start laughing. Right. It's because it's, it's disrupting like, that social order. And yeah. it's not that it's funny. It's just like so fucking, you know, like, yeah, in that situation, it kind of makes sense with the definition. Um, but also, as you were saying, the, the story about Papa it reminds me that, you know, frequently like a lot of our memories will be tied to like you think of like big memories like a big event like of your childhood you remember or like something traumatic happens you remember but if this is also reminding me that those times where you have those like really funny big belly laugh moments that like those definitely stick in my mind too so that's kind of a neat thing to reflect yeah, on yeah i a lot of times I'll ask people the question, and I find this very fascinating. I'll ask people, what is the one time or what comes to mind as the hardest you've ever laughed? Yeah. The most insane laugh you've ever put out. Yeah. Like those moments where like you're literally, you know, the side splitting yeah. and your belly's like, to me, the thing that comes to mind is I was in high school. I want to say I was my junior year in high school and the second to last year of high school. And... I used to get to school very early mm-hmm. because, of, you know, I used to get a ride to school and they were involved with a before, you know, before school program. Mm-hmm. So I was in the cafe and we would wait in the cafeteria because they'd open the cafeteria up and I was with Adam mm-hmm. and we were talking about this guy who was like, he just, it was one of those like kind of serendipitous moments where it's like the timing was just right. He said, he was telling the stories like, what if there was a guy that was really nerdy and he was like looking to impress the girls and he was like learning how to play the piano and he was like playing this really sad songs like, none of the girls like me and he was like playing the, you know, playing the piano and just at that moment, somebody from, we were sitting next to the band room in the cafeteria, there's the band room, somebody started playing some kind of like soft tune on the piano (laughs) and I don't know if it's, I think, you know, when you're tired, how laughter is more exaggerated. totally. We were exhausted and I, both of us literally dropped out of our chair and just something, I don't know what it was about that moment. And I remember it to this day. I don't remember a whole lot from those days, but I just remember like literally like pounding on the ground, like on the floor. Like you, if somebody came in and saw us, they would think that we were having like an epileptic (laughs) fit or something. You know what I mean? But it was just something about the timing of it, you know, just like a sad song and then like, yeah, and then somebody, like, someone played on the piano in the next room. Yeah, it's like sometimes like those moments where you're like, is this like a show? Like, did somebody set this up? Like, you know, with the timing and stuff, it really yeah. does impact the, the humor. Another thing I was thinking about is, I was thinking about American society. And there was a poll that came out that I was reading. And it was an international poll. And I think it was pretty extensive. There was like 50 countries polled. Mm-hmm. And they were every country, the most common response was the United States was the funniest country. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that most countries are bombarded by American comedies. Right, right. And so. And shows. And shows. And so maybe there's not a lot of other. I, see, I don't really know. Or like, our government internet. is laughable. 
Maybe that's what's funny too. I just think <laughs> is is there is there is there pressure in American society for things to be funny? Do we crave? I mean, okay, so I have to. You guys can't see this, but when he said that, I kind of like looked confused because I wouldn't have thought that. But I guess when you break it down, like what? I mean, I know that you really appreciate British humor. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get okay, to that. Okay. Uh, I actually think now the the country that was found to be most funny in Europe was the UK. To me, to me, the the, the humor that always got me most deeply and frankly even in music the band, most of my favorite bands were groups and you know comedy shows and movies from right. the UK mm-hmm. now one of the things I actually read an article on the differences between humor in the UK and the US and in the US um, things things were very obvious right so in the u.s what was funny was the things that were just big and dumb for a lack of i mean i'm being a little critical of the u.s but it was just sort of like yeah did you see did you see that bitch she was so fucking fat she was just a fat ass yeah. or, and it's just crude Some right mean, like yeah. my fuck that bitch so hard and it was like everyone's laughing like oh, i can't believe how crude he's being in the uk things are more subtle like, right now my missus my missus i'll tell you so it's a bit, uh, how do we say? There's pauses and they creep up to it and they're bashful. Mm-hmm. And that's what I often found. And, and so like it, there's almost a shame that goes with it. Whereas in America, it's sort of like the put in down. In your face. Yes. In the UK, it's more self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. They're making fun of themselves. Whereas in the, whereas in the US, they're making fun of somebody oh, else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, yeah, you're going to try to say this shit. And people just think this is so hilarious. And I was getting back to this thing is... Stand-up. Everyone is really into stand-up comedy right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for stand-up comedy. I think it takes a tremendous amount of talent to get up and just make a bunch of strangers laugh. It really is a crazy thing to do. Like, right. You're just... There's no music you're hiding behind. Right. You're just... Not, but to be honest with you, for me personally, I don't find most stand-up comics that funny because again it comes back to this thing I was that, that the article had mentioned that US com- uh, comedy was big yeah. and dumb and when they said big and dumb that made perfect sense to me is there's no it, there was just a lack of subtlety there wasn't in the UK humor was based on ideas that the humor built up to like like for example my favorite stand-up comics were like you know Bill Hicks and George Carlin right but what I liked about their stand-up comedy was There's, it was ideas right. they made fun story, of ideas your kids stories, aren't special yeah, yeah. or it was social commentary in the in most stand-up comics it's just like one-liners don't you hate how you put on your shoes and your shoes don't fit it's just so obvious yeah and or it's I stupid. said to my wife and yeah, she, in, yeah in the UK you don't see that as maybe I don't know what I'm talking about maybe I haven't died you know and if there was somebody from the UK maybe they would beg to differ but you know it's just I don't know I, I was also thinking about two um I was reading a study on uh, gender differences, like what women and women find funny. And I, I, I don't know how much... I mean, this study, I don't, I don't know how extensive it was, but it said it found that uh, men liked put-downs and sexual humor where women enjoyed, like, wordplay and puns more. Hmm. So, like, I'll give you an example. Okay. Here was the joke that most men found funny. Okay. A guy is wearing clear plastic wrap for underwear and he walks into a psychiatrist's office 
And he says, um, look, uh, I need help. And the psychiatrist looks down and says, yeah, I can see your nuts. Uh-huh. That's what men found really funny. Now, most women said they didn't find that funny or they found it stupid. But here was the joke that women really liked. A man is carrying, walks into a bar carrying a piece of asphalt. And he said, I'll take a pint for me and one for the road. <laughs> you get it? See, as a woman, you laughed at that one. What? So which one do you, would you find more funny? See, one is like a play on words. And the other one is like, se- you know, sexual humor, right? So I actually found the one with the clear past- plastic wrap more funny. But I don't know. I actually enjoy both of them. I don't know. See, what the theory was in the study is that men liked humor that was either um, attacking or aggressive or sexual. So that the idea was that even yeah, in the Yeah, sec- but I didn't feel like that that joke in particular was, was sexual. Yeah. I mean, that was he's a put naked. Down or yeah. But like, the thing that I thought was funny is like... See, they- but it was a put down. I can see your nuts. I know. In other no, words, no, 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 it's no, no, no. But putting it's also a person like in their your place. nuts, like Y-O-U-R nuts. Right. Which is kind of what right. makes it funny because right. it's it all it is a play on words and right yeah that's true yeah you know you're right yeah. so I didn't like, find that sexual at all your versus you are yeah nice. yeah um that was the example they gave in the article so I don't know it was interesting like, yeah I would like to see what other jokes they gave like if that was the top one for men but like I wonder what else there was but when you said that men typically found sexual humor like I'm thinking like. The like, like kind of like deprecating jokes that they, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or like jokes about women or stuff like that. Yes, no, they said Sexist no, they jokes. didn't give as many examples because it was a short article, but I could totally see that men really like to put down something where somebody or some yeah. subject or person in the joke is being ripped to shreds yeah but again that that makes sense because it's a power play they're interested in power mm-hmm. it's putting it's cutting someone else down to size um so there was another article i read where they did a study where they showed a bunch of a, a variety of different jokes in humorous situations and they had you rank you know how funny you thought this joke or situation was and they did it in nearly every country in Europe. And the country that found most of the material funny and had the overall best sense of humor was actually Germany. Hmm. Because Germans are actually known stereotypically for, for being serious. For being serious and not having. And what they said is they found that um, they found the most jokes funny and they particularly loved puns. So they liked. A play on words again. I can see that. Um, But they found the widest variety of things funny. Now, the countries that came in as the least humorous was uh, the French. I can see that. They're not impressed easily. Yeah, because when we went to France, I found that... There's not a lot of laughter happening. No, there's not. They do seem to really... Like, okay, okay, think about it. Like, being in Ireland... Right. Where it's constant, like, jovial talking yes. and, like, excitement When and we were there, there was jokes flying all the time. Compared yeah. to 
France, France we were just very serious. No, I wouldn't say that when we were in France, and because we didn't spend a lot of time there, as hostile or dangerous per se, but yeah, I could see how they would take things a little too serious. And also I could see them having very precious, uh, like self, like, you know, uh, pride, like very, you know what I mean? Like they, they, their pride would be easily wounded. So right. if you made okay. a joke that was poking fun at them, like in Ireland, for example, one of the things they were talking about is what is a test of character is if you can laugh at yourself, if somebody may, somebody will make a joke at your expense, if somebody can tell that you laugh at yourself and laugh at the joke that's made at your expense, they see that as a sign of high character. Whereas if you did that in France, it'd be like, excuse me, what did you just say? So there's more maybe, a, I don't want to say it's snobby, but it's, like I said, they're just more Hopefully particular. Hopefully none of our 12 listeners are French. <laughs> okay, but this brings, this, this brings me back to something that you told me earlier in the week that is still tripping me up. Maybe Trump secretly has some French in him. You want to bring that up? You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to I was gonna bring that up. I was on Reddit, and they were talking about how Trump had looked into purchasing Greenland. And somebody said, oh, I, you know, it's probably a joke. I bet you he's having a good laugh. And somebody else said, I don't think so. Have you ever seen Trump laugh? And I was thinking about it. I was like... Holy crap, he doesn't laugh, does he? Like, even... I went I went back, there was a comedy roast before he was president where some of the world's and our country's top comics were telling some pretty funny jokes. He did not laugh. He made that same kind of sarcastic... Like, that same sort of... Like, like side smirk? It's, like, it's a smirk, but it's like a, it's like a contemptuous smirk. Yeah. It's like... There's something hostile or something bitter about the smirk. Uh, it, it, it just, it doesn't ever seem like, even when he smiles, it, there's any joy. Like this man no. does not seem to have any genuine no. joy at all. And this is politics aside. We don't need to talk, talk about politics, whatever, blah, blah, okay. blah. You know, like it's, it's not political. But I just thought it was fascinating when we were talking about humor and funny. Is that, but I will say this about Trump. He does make me laugh. I will say that. I listen to his speeches and they're absolutely ridiculous. But I'm laughing because he presents everything like a stand-up comic. Right. And like it kind of goes back to like those people who aren't trying to be funny. But it's so... Okay, read the definition again. Well, yeah. Yeah, A a disruption of social order or something that reveals the absurdity of life. That's why. Because it's like, are you fucking... Is this yeah, fucking he, real? Exactly. Are you serious? It's he's like, disrupting the social order. Yeah. And he's absolutely absurd. And like, you, don't, you don't even know what to do other than laugh or vomit. Not to get political. But like... Yeah. You know, like... You know, like, again, when you're having a bad day and it's like you laugh or you cry. Like, with Trump, you either, like, laugh or smash your TV. I don't even know. But it's weird because... Okay, so when you mentioned that... I was like, no, come on. I mean, he's followed around constantly. Like, there has to be someone caught him laughing. laughing, But I looked. So, so I kept googling it in different ways, and it would come up with like, Trump laughs at suggestion to shoot immigrants. So I pulled that up, and he doesn't laugh. He goes, he does like that thing where he kind of throws his hands up, like shrugs his shoulders. He's got that weird smirk, and he has like this side smirk. But he's got. He he kind of scoffs. He's like. Yeah, he makes That's a not sound. A laugh. It's not laughter. Yeah. So I mean, we couldn't find it, but we didn't dig very deep. So if anyone listening finds it, we're gonna um, have sure. it on our Instagram. So comment. And I'm willing to bet you, 
if there is laughter somewhere that it's not it's a very unnatural laughter like <laughs> like you know kind of like, like that forced. You know? very forced it's not, like and genuine because okay genuine so i'm even thinking about like okay so you mentioned the roast so i'm thinking about if i were being roasted by talking maybe with really clever you jokes. don't think anything is funny because you're being insulted but i mean even still like some of the side things aren't even that mean when he got invited to the presidential uh where, where they tell you know the, the president oh, yeah. tells jokes i forgot whether uh the, the, yeah where and, and so obama was telling jokes and the jokes were at his expense, but they weren't mean-spirited. It was just basically saying, like, it, ironically enough, it was basically saying, like, Trump thinks he can be president. Yeah, right. That'll be the day the, the White House will look like this. And it shows the White House gold oh, with Trump. Yeah. And it so it shows Trump, which that's that, that's really not that mean-spirited. It's no, That's a very no, innocent no, no. joke. It was a funny joke. Yeah. And they they put the camera on Trump, and he's making that same contemptuous smirk or he's like um you'll see and it but there's like anger and bitterness i just i don't know i don't mean to be make this about trump but i just thought it was fun, interesting like, yeah it is interesting yeah so what this, does it say about someone if they don't laugh since we're talking about funny i think that something is obviously wrong with trump i he definitely is narcissistic but i think there's something even more deeply wrong with him like i don't he doesn't seem okay. Hold he, the on. The way he speaks. So this reminds me. Nothing though, about him is natural. This reminds me though. When we were kids, you would always say to me that I ne- never found anything. You'd always be like, "You didn't think that was funny," and I'd be like, "What are you talking about? Like, what did I have to do to prove that I thought it was funny?" Because you would laugh more than I laughed at something. You thought that I didn't think it was funny, and I remember, mom. Mom does the same thing, and. Like, they'd be watching Seinfeld, and Dad would be hysterically laughing, like, turning red. Like, right, and you wouldn't even eyes hear her watering. Laugh. She would barely and even she, crack a smile. No, yeah, she'd be, like, cracking a smile. No noise. And she, then... Wait, but, but, I will, but we have to add, she laughs loud and frequently, but, like, during shows, she doesn't... She does not. No, no. yeah, during shows, she doesn't. In, in real life but moments, then, But then you ask her, would you think of the episode? She'd be like, absolutely hysterical. And you're like, if you thought it was hysterical, why didn't you laugh out loud? I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I do. Or, or at least, I, I or at least silently it, but... laughing to yourself where you see someone's it's face, like... I think like, the part of it contorted. is, like, sometimes if you're really tired... Instead of laughing a lot, you're, like, too tired to laugh. So you just, like, smile. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i the same way. Like, I'll watch something and I'll be like, yeah, that was really good. That was funny. That was smart. Like, whatever. But you probably won't hear me laugh about it. But real interactions, conversations, stuff like that, I'll, I'll laugh a lot. It's interesting because I was reading about... The new Joker movie that's coming out with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And the Joker character, of course, the signature thing about him is is laughter. Mm-hmm. So he had to come up with a signature laugh for Joker. And every person that's played the Joker has had their own laugh. Right. Their own Joker laugh. Okay. And so when he was thinking about what he wanted to do for the Joker's laughter, is he thought of there is a condition called chronic uh uh, chronic laughter like somebody who almost like Tourette syndrome and they, they uncontrollably 
just start laughing. Oh, wow. And so he looked for these similar patterns in their laugh, and, and he found that there was this sort of a <laughs> that kind of like high pitch. But he found that there was something consistent about their laughter and the laughter that is usually attributed in cartoons to the Joker. So he kind of gave this sort of this kind of cackle, like, you know what I mean? This very demented. And he said that he, he thought the Joker, somebody who was obviously suffering, suffering from this sort of um, pathological need to laugh. You know? Right. So, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. And I was thinking about in that movie, it takes place in 1970s. It, well, it's called Gotham City, but right, it's basically right. a representation of New, New York, York City. Right. And in the 1970s, New York City was known as Fear City. They called it Fear City because the crime rate was so bad that they actually, I think Jimmy Carter at the time, the president, basically called a national a national emergency. That the crime rate has risen so high in New wow. York. So, but I was thinking about this Joker character kind of laughing his way through like maniacally. And so I was thinking about in times of trouble. And I don't know if we want to, I mean, I guess any time is a time of trouble. But is there a need like nowadays to alleviate anxiety so badly? Like during the Great Depression, I wonder if there was this deep need like for music to be kind of, my baby's gonna let, you know, this kind of upbeat jazzy kind of stuff, right? Mm. Like swinging and band. People needed that because if you had sad songs playing during the Great Depression, it's like they were dealing with so much sadness. There was this craving for laughter. So I wonder if, and, and of course, I don't think the times we're living in is anything like the Great Depression because it just isn't. But... They say that in times of economic downturn, that there's a deeper need for laughter. Oh, I can see that. And there's a deeper need for songs to be upbeat and happy. But in times of ec ec economic upturn, when the economy is actually doing well, songs that are kind of dark and maybe somewhat sad actually do a little bit well, better. Okay, so I'll say this. Like... If I'm feeling super anxious or down, I want to watch something mind-numbingly stupid. Like, and just laugh. And just something carefree that's not going to... Like, I can't turn... Like, as much as I love true crime, like, if I'm feeling super down, I can't sit and watch, like, a murder mystery. Because it'll... Like, my mind will start jumping from fear to fear to fear or whatever. Um, so... Yeah, you want you you want to try and have something that pulls you up, or you know, like you yeah. don't want something that reminds you of how fucking shitty the world is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it makes total sense. It's an alleviation of just anxiety. Um, I was thinking of generational differences in comedy. Yeah. Um. Like the older, the older, the older form of comedy was like jokes and punchlines, and the uh, newer form is like awkward situations. So like, if you look, if you watch like Bob Hope, or like George Burns, they would tell like the like punchlines. Like they would set you oh, up, I and hate then they, that. yeah, it was kind of schmaltzy. But now, like, the new humor is just absurd and awkward situations. Like, the movies oh, are all, yeah. like, you know what I mean? You know, someone walks in on their parents having sex or, like, you know, a lot of it's sexual, you know what I mean? Or, 
you know, like in the American Pie thing, it's like, you know, he's, you know, right, 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 pie right, 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 or, you right. know, it's just like these awkward, like, oh my God, this awkward right. situations and they got caught with their pants down type of thing, you know, and, the, and so I was wondering though, if we've gotten to a point where we just try to turn everything into a joke, hmm. like if there's an avoidance of maturity. That maybe in, you know, when you think about like grandpa's generation, if you think about like the, uh, you know, the Great Depression and the World War II generation, they like, they like to have a good laugh, but there was a time for joking and then there was a time for, to be serious. Whereas I feel like maybe with millennials, we almost have this weird tendency to turn everything into a joke. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I will say that, like, even in... Like, even being an adult is now called adulting. Like, there's this <laughs> reluctance to grow up, right? We, we have, we're in this arrested development right. where we're eternally children. Right. And you see people walking around with... And look, I'm not judging, but there's people walking around, like, in their 40s with, like, a Superman t-shirt. Whereas, like, in generations past, that would be absolutely absurd. Now, things change, of course. You know, times change and... Things have become maybe a little more lighthearted. Maybe we live in easier times. And so because we have such a super abundance of, you know, food and money compared to previous generations. So there's this maybe more craving to just hold on to childhood maybe. Because we, we have the luxury to do it. In years past, maybe they didn't have the luxury to be childish, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I'm just even thinking about, like, the way that you spend time with friends. Like, I don't know... Like, for me, I remember when we were younger, we would just sit and we would talk for hours. And, like, now it's, like, you kind of, like, get in, you have a quick conversation, and you kind of, like, move on. Everyone's on their phone. It's, like, it's like there has to be constant stimulation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether that be laughter or whatever, but... Like it, everything's a meme. Now, everything is, right. Everyone. Oh, oh yeah, and, and a lot of the conversations revolve around like, oh, did you see blah blah blah? Like it has to be like, you can't just like have quiet. And, time and if you think about now. the amount of shows that that you have today, uh, uh, you know, there's Amazon Prime, there's Hulu, there's Netflix, uh, Netflix there's HBO, yeah. there's Showtime. So there's just you couldn't possibly watch the amount of entertainment that they're throwing at us. So there's this need to listen, to watch, to, to basically, there's this craving for content. And then your conversation with friends become about, oh, did you see blah, blah, blah? Or, oh, did you hear blah, blah? You know, right. like your conversation with friends even become about that. And so I've noticed that it's interesting how infrequently people actually sit down and like talk about feelings or... Mm -hmm. Like things of substance, right? So there's this avoidance. So you go from watching Netflix to seeing your friend to talk about Netflix. But so, so then the question is: Is there an avoidance of serious subjects? Oh yeah. But I will say, other that than like true crime, <laughs> I really do think though. I really do think that there is coming up possibly this craving for serious conversation in this desire to maybe listen at least listen to other people having you know what i mean like people are kind of creeping into this like i don't want to say like uh there's kind of, like there's this need for I, I think most people have a need for therapy 
I think okay, most people... Okay, that's exactly where I was going to go. Go ahead. So I think that you could take any adult or even child. I think that the right therapist would be good for most people. That's what, I, that's what I personally think. I know some people think that therapy is completely ridiculous, but I wonder how much of that opinion is in a, someone who's trying to avoid their feelings. Okay, so my friend on Instagram, Lore Gets Lost, she just posted this thing in her stories the other day, and it was a meme, and it says, like, like 1970s or something, or, like, my mother or whatever it was, and it says something about, like, hiding the fact that, you know, you go to therapy... And then, like, millennials now and, and younger generations would be like, oh, my God, you have to hear the funniest thing that my therapist said. Like, there's, like, there's absolutely no shame now in going to therapy, which is awesome. But it's also interesting, like, I wonder how much more frequently people are going to therapy than previous generations. Like, I wonder what the statistics would be on it. And then also thinking about, is there a higher need for therapy to actually sit down phones aside and talk about real shit because people aren't doing it with their friends or their loved ones. Right. You know, everything's so surface level. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's gotten to a point where where I was talking about this preoccupation with stand up comedy. I think that's become the therapy for people. So instead of actually going down and talking about the serious subjects, they just avoid it and go to a comedy show and just laugh. Right. Ha, 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 and just maybe hopefully they can get out all those negative emotions through laughter, which is, is valuable. I think that's good. But I also think that there should be both. I think there should be – there's a time for comedy and then there's a time to really be serious and maybe reflect upon your life and, and really face some of these darker things and, yes, have a sense of humor about it but also understand that not everything in life is just funny. Right. That there are some things that are sad and that sometimes maybe we do need to shed a few tears or if we need to. And um, Yeah, but I think you're right. It's just, I think therapy is important because people are busy, your friends and your family, and they can't, even though they're your friends and family, they can't just sit there. They don't have the time or maybe the ability to sit there for an hour or two and just listen to your problems. You know? Right, right. And some people have those kind of friends and, and maybe a lot of people don't. Right, but what's interesting though, not to get totally off subject, but I I feel like if I knew that a friend was going through something that they needed to talk about, like I feel like I have like buy-in in that because it's something important to them and so I care to hear about it and I want to keep up to date with what's going on in their life. So like... In that sense, like, if I have some, like, so, for example, we're dealing with the possibility of a move. Like, if I had a friend that was, like, facing that, I would want, I would want to talk through it with them. Like, okay, what would be the pros? What would be the cons? Like, where are you thinking of going? Like, wh- like you know, and talk through it. Because I would also want to know if my friend was thinking of moving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I think that, and I haven't been scared to, like, ask people that I care about, like, what their opinion is on it. But I think a lot of people don't because they think that I, well, I don't want to burden someone by telling them that I'm like having a hard time making this decision or going through this or whatever. So I think that part of it is on us. Like, like it's important that you, you don't just keep everything in and you reach out to people because then that opens them up to do the same with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
Oh, because then you have that that bond, like we talk about shit type bond, you know? So mm. then they feel comfortable coming to you with stuff. And if everyone kind of reaches out and then people might reach out to them and people talk. Yeah, and I was thinking about how valuable it is to have somebody in your life that helps you laugh at your problems too. Yeah. Not not make laugh not make light of the difficulties you're going through, but somebody who gets you again to see the absurdity in them. Right. And just laugh at it. You know, I was thinking about like with Papa how he does um, you know, Tai Chi. Right. And there's like laughing yoga and there's also a part of Tai Chi and Qigong where they just laugh like oh, 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 and, they right. do, and he starts laughing laugh. and I was thinking about how contagious laughter is that you know somebody could start laughing and hysterical like if somebody has like a bizarre laugh like laugh and you hear it you just start laughing you don't know what the heck they're laughing or have you ever heard a group of people laughing and you don't know what they're laughing smile. at and they're just you either smile or you might actually start laughing to yourself because you're like I don't know what they're laughing at but it's, it's so contagious well, and it's interesting because it starts so young so I have a two year old and a seven month old and so if Canyon and I are talking and we start laughing re- really genuinely laughing even if Nolan has no idea what we're talking about like he'll run in and start laughing with us and then you look over and Arlo is smiling you know, like, mm. it is, It is like, it's so contagious, even from, like, from the time they're freaking born. Yeah, and, and like I was saying about, you know, funny being the absurdity of life is, one of the things is, if, is there was an exercise, I got to this therapy session, and I remember the forum yeah. in L.A., and it's, it sense it's like a big giant group therapy thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about how afraid you are of other people. But then I want you to think about how they're also afraid of you. Mm-hmm. And like, are you picturing this? And all of a sudden you heard one person laughing, two people laughing, two, and pretty soon like the whole room started laughing. And they're like, and so everybody is just going around afraid of each other. So you posture and you put and you put on your suit and like, oh, I'm rich. So you better be afraid of me or I'm tough. You better be afraid of me. It's like, but you're afraid of them, too. And it's all, and he's just going on and on like a, this is crazy comic or something. And everybody starts laughing and laughing and laughing. And, and, and it is this weird need to just sort of realize like laughing at the fear, like how everybody's just afraid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was um, the story about um, there was Democritus. And Pythagoras, and they were two of the leading Greek philosophers. And I can't remember what, which one was which, but one of them la- that just basically woke up every morning and just laughed at life. Um, I think it was Democritus that would laugh. And then so Democritus would go around and he would just laugh. Like, ah, and he would just laugh all day and he was known for... Have you ever seen like one of the masks is laughing and the other yeah. one of the masks is crying? Yeah. Like, you know, laugh now, cry later. Type right. I think it has something to do with those guys. And so I could be wrong, completely wrong about that. I don't, I don't know if that's true. But so one would just laugh about like, so he, his philosophy was just laugh. Life's absurd. Life's a comedy. Right. And the other one, Heraclitus would cry about everything. He would walk around and just weep at everything. And he's, and his bit was, um, life's a tragedy. So, you know, the idea mm. was that you have this choice of, you know, 
generally speaking, most people lean one way or the other. You know right. what I mean? You've got some people that want to laugh at everything. Yeah, nobody, people do a little bit of both, right. really. A balanced person usually does a little bit of both. But if you'll find that... No, if, yeah, people definitely come to mind when you said that. Like, But you'll, yeah. most people lean one way or the other. Typically, I tend to be the type of person that I think more in terms of tragedy. That doesn't mean I don't have a sense of humor. And I but don't you enjoy. do it with a smile on your face, though. So I inwardly, look for the humor, but... Inwardly, I think that everything's a tragedy for you, but but to outsiders, they would think that you were the opposite. Yeah, right. So I try, I try to be the person that's always laughing, but, you know, possibly, like, I think inside, like, I'm the person who's But crying. I feel like that's the, probably, like, the most dangerous type of person to be. Because, like, so Robin mm. Williams comes to mind. So right. everyone thought yeah. that he thought life was hilarious, but inwardly he was, like, suffering. But you know what? I always felt like in his films that that really came through. There, I found that in most of his films there was always this underlying sense of sadness. As talented as he was, and, and, and I, he, yeah. he had yeah. this incredible ability to make you laugh, like, uproariously and hysterically out of nowhere right and that's what made him so gifted and Jim Carrey is also another right. one who's battled with depression but the reason Jim Carrey and Robin Williams were able to just uh, Chris Farley comes to mind as well yeah they're so exaggerated and so comical yeah. and they just transform themselves into like this larger car- than like cartoon yeah. they become like a damn cartoon yeah and you're just like oh my god what the hell where is this coming from? you're laughing but I think it's coming from this deep sense of pain you know what I mean? Right. Is that the reason that they do make you laugh is they're making you laugh at how absurd and Again, sad yeah. life is. Right. You're laughing at how sad it all is. So it's kind of one of the same. So like when I found out that Robin Williams committed suicide, somehow it didn't surprise me. I'm like, that makes sense. Like he always seemed depressed to me. That he had that smile, but underneath that smile was this really sad sense of, of, of you know, like him deceiving himself. I can see that. Trying to deceive himself, trying to deceive like, the world. Like looking back now, I see sadness yeah. in his eyes. No, I don't think he's a I phony. I'm not saying that, that, but I think that he was somebody who was trying to put on a brave face. Right. You know, and because you know, or he, you're you're fighting, you're you're like going to such an other extreme to like fight or like push down what yeah. you're really feeling inside. And they say that, and that's why it is so dramatic. And you hear a lot of comics, like in interviews, say that most comics come from very dark and you know traumatic backgrounds right which reminds me of um our brother showed us the um the types of people um adults that come from addicts like be, being raised with an addict oh yeah, and there's like a different, yeah yeah there's like different personality types of of children who have been raised by addicts and um not that either of our parents were addicts, but we each, all three of us, identified very strongly with one of those personality types. And you were definitely the... The, the mascot? I think so. Yeah, it was called the mascot. Yeah, and the mascot just basically becomes like this cartoonish... Right. They put on the costume, they do the dance, right. they, they tell the jokes, or they make the sound. Oh, right, because, look at me, how funny. You because know? growing up, anytime there was any type of turmoil... I would be like the planner and I'd be like, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this. The hero. You were the hero. I had to fix it. And like, 
while I'm trying to fix it, you were over there trying to distract and like make light of the situation. And then Johnny was the rebel or lost child. Right, right. So Johnny was a rebel lost child. You were the hero and I was the mascot. And so, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, like Johnny – and Johnny was totally the lost child rebel because yeah. he was the one that did the most extreme things, you right. know. Hey, he got into trouble, you know, was doing the drugs. And we were straight laced, but I was always trying to make everyone laugh. And you were trying to plan everything and trying right. to organize everything. Yeah, but it was this. So it's interesting how Hugh, like, like, you know, so maybe growing up, you were always like, you don't laugh, you don't laugh. And it's just like you maybe used humor as a release way more than I did. So I may not have been laughing, but like, and you were always looking to laugh, you know. But like we were yeah. talking earlier, people who need humor as a distraction. Right, which is why I think that comedy clubs and stand-up comedy is more popular than it's ever been before. Is like there's this real desire to kind of forget about, you know, it, the world's in transition, the world's changing, and there's a lot of, you know, especially here in the U.S. that you know, unemployment. Like it's hard to find good employment. It, you know, people's benefits. I think the quality of life feels like it's not as good as it was decades pa- in the decades past after yeah. World War Two. So, you know, there's, I think a lot of people feel cheated. I think there's a lot of people out there who feel really cheated. And so they just don't know what to do or how to regain control in their life. So they're just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to laugh, you know? Yeah. But I will, um, I want to close off with this. I thought this was really cool. It was this line that says, laughter is universal. Comedy is not. Hmm. And I liked that because it was like, yeah, yep. Um, everybody has this desire to laugh, but what bring comedy is specifically what brings about that laughter, and it's just not the same for everybody. Right, absolutely. Yeah, what I find funny, you may not find funny. Yeah, so everybody, every human culture has laughter, and that's part of being human. But not every culture, not every gender, not right. every age group thinks com- that the same comedy is funny or the same ideas are funny. And I've seen, you know, there's like the, I've seen pictures before where it's a bunch of children, like that look, look totally different and it shows that they speak different languages and it says, and it has, they have these big wide open smiles and you could just tell that they're laughing and it says everyone laughs in the same language or everyone smiles in the same language. And I mean, laughter is definitely something that, that brings us all together. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately... We've ran out of time, and that's not very funny at all. (laughs) But somewhere down the road, hope you'll join us again. I'm Silas Weathercock saying good night.